0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And you are listening to America's Web Radio. This is the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. Now, we're a weekly program that brings you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with. Now and then we might bring you somebody that you're just not familiar with who has an excellent story that needs to be shared. Today... It's traditional. We've got a great writer with us. and you're Now, I'm an author myself, and you can find out more about my work. Again, that name is Doug Dahlgren, and you can find out more about me on Amazon. And also, you can go to my personal website, which is www.dugdahlgren.com. Now, this is very important. If you don't have a pencil or a pen that's right handy, I want you to go grab one probably in the drawer sitting right next to you or somewhere. We'll give you just a second here to be sure you get that.
2: Because,
1: mm-hmm. see, that that pen and pencil is going to be very important to you. The information I just gave you is going to be followed up throughout the show by more things that you're going to want to make a note of, including how to reach this program, how to learn more about our guest and their work, and how to get back to my website, which I'll give you again, DougDahlgren.com. Okay, everybody's got their pen or their pencil, and we're ready to go. You can write on your arm if you need to, but if paper's there, that'll be handier. We call this show the prologue, because that's exactly what it is. It is an introduction, and while those introductions are mainly about writers, we also love to bring you interesting people that just have that good story that we talked about earlier. So if you or someone you know has a book, or that interesting story that needs to be shared, please reach out to me through email. Get that pen up. You have two ways to do that, doug at Dougdahlgren.com or doug at americaswebradio.com. I told you that pencil would come in handy, so there we go. I would love to speak with you also about how you feel about the show if you enjoy it if you have any suggestions or anything like that those email sites will get you to me for comments as well so we'd love to hear from you. Now on our show today I'm very happy to bring you a returning guest author and she's got a new book Tori Bailey was with us back on November 13th of 2015 the podcast of that program is still available through our show's archives and that's on the AmericasWebRadio.com homepage. Go to the program, which is the prologue, and you'll find all the archives there listed by their date. Now, Tori introduced us to her novel, Coming Home, A Second Chance at Goodbye, back on that program. Coming Home has had great success, and the author now offers its sequel and the number two in a planned series. She calls it Ethel's Song. Tori's here this hour, and before we bring her on, let's not forget a couple of very special groups of listeners that we want to mention that we have here on the prologue. First, our folks serving in the armed forces around the world, working hard to keep us safe back home. Folks, we often forget that freedom isn't free. It's bought and paid for daily by those men and women in uniform, so please remember them and let them know that we thank each and every one for all that they do. Now, I also want to include our first responders who are here at home in your local towns and cities. That's the police, the fire, EMTs. That includes the 911 operators who rush to your aid when you need their help. We want to thank each of them for doing what they do. And thank you for being listeners on America's Web Radio. <clears throat> now, let's get to it. Full disclosure. I've had the pleasure of knowing our guest through a joint appearance that we did at a Brasselton gallery for a book signing back last year. I met Tori and her husband there, as well as several other tremendous Georgia authors who were in attendance that day. Now, writing and doing this show uh, have allotted me the, the, just the pleasure of meeting people that otherwise I would have never known. Tori's one of them. But I want to tell you, it's just been tremendous to get to meet all these fantastic authors and folks around them and friends of theirs uh, through this couple of years. I've had the pleasure of doing this, and I hope that that continues. Now, I'm also, along with Tori, a fellow contributor to a terrific project by a mutual friend of ours that's been pulled together. It's been out available for the last couple of years. It's called A Cup of Christmas. And it's a collection of Christmas short stories gathered and anchored by the very amazing Barbara Barth. We want to shout out to her this morning. We know she's listening and she's recuperating and we hope she's doing well. Now, as that season, Christmas season, draws close, I hope you'll remember, that's your pen again, make a note, a cup of Christmas. It's a $1.99 download. All the proceeds go to charity, so please uh, order that thing and share it with your friends come Christmas, a cup of Christmas. Now, as I said earlier, this hour's guest is a returning author with a story of family ties, emotions, complications, and finding answers. The new title is Ethel's Song, and this is your prologue. There comes a time when the heart no longer believes in itself call it resignation, call it settling for what you have, but the emphasis for life is redirected in other ways than one's passions and desire. The ability to love is still there. Two boys are raised, one with knowledge beyond his years and another protected from the truth. The child of another, one who needs you, is raised by you with all the love anyone could muster. Life goes on. Until that day that the tired heart suddenly picks up speed and the mind starts to remember. Ethel's story is told with compassion and through characters that live in your head long after the book is closed. The novel is Ethel's Song. The author, Tori Bailey, is here with us. Welcome back to the prologue, Tori.
3: Thank you, Doug. It's a pleasure to be back and to just get to be a part of your show and, and to reach all of your listeners. And also, likewise, a shout-out to our really good friend, Barbara, as she's recuperating. I'm sending you – I'm a huge, huge Disney fan, so I'm sending a lot of pixie dust her way today.
1: Outstanding. Well, she's doing good. She She's tried to make an ordeal out of this recovery, but she's, she's doing better, and she's going to make it, and we're just proud of her. Uh, Remind everybody uh, who Ethel is from the original book Coming Home
3: Ethel is a secondary character in coming home a second Goodbye She is um, the family matriarch um, she is the voice of reason she is the one who was um, able to help Maggie and Anne on their road to healing and and um with the result of of Matt Harris' death. And she was such a strong character when I wrote her that I felt like she really needed her own story. And there was another secondary character that complimented her in the book, which was Madison Barfield. And as I was writing Coming Home, I could start seeing a relationship budding between Aunt Ethel and Madison, and I really just felt like that they needed to have their own story, and so we have Ethel's song.
1: Now, Ethel's song is a continuation of the series, but could it be considered standalone? Does somebody need, really, to read Coming Home to be able to enjoy Ethel's song first?
3: No, and and I wrote it that way for the simple reason, as an avid reader, you know, you find an author and you, you pick up their book and you start reading it and you realize that this book is like in the middle of a series and there's a lot of things that you feel like you're... You almost feel like the third wheel in a conversation because you don't know all the little inside jokes and nuances. Um, so, you you know, you really don't get the full effect of that book. And when I... Even the... the Ethel Song is the second in the series. I wrote it with that mind mind, uh, mind frame... That the person picking up this book may not have read Coming Home, so I mean there are a couple of few little gems that I put in there that if you read Coming Home, um, you're going to go, oh wow, when you when you read that. But if you didn't read Coming Home, it's not going to be a huge loss to you because it's going it, to it. The story itself tells its own tale without having to know the backstory of the first book.
1: Okay. Now, Ethel's song is a continuation of many of the characters and themes from the first book uh, but do all of those vivid characters from coming home do they all make an appearance in this new novel?
3: Yes, they do and And the way I did that is um in the very first chapter um uh, i I had all of the players from or the characters from coming home in the very first chapter. So if it's been a little bit of a time period since you've read Coming Home, and Second Chance, But Goodbye, to the time that you pick up Ethel's Song, it's kind of a reintroduction of, of the characters and where who they were in the first book.
1: Now, both of these stories are what you'd call a love story. Uh, how, though, does Ethel's Song differ from the love story of Coming Home?
3: Coming home, a, a second chance at goodbye is 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 a um, is a new love. It's a fresh love. It, it's it's a young couple starting out. You know, it's a, it's young people finding finding their footing in their first serious relationships, um, where they have decided that they do want to commit their lives to having a serious relationship with another person. the song differs because. It's a more mature love. The characters are mature. They're a little bit later in life. You know they, they have. You know they have lived. They've raised families. Um, so it's not really a second chance at love as much as it is a a chance to have a more mature relationship.
1: How much time goes between the end of Coming Home, A Second Chance at Goodbye, and the beginning of Ethel's song? Is there a gap in there, or does it pick up right away?
3: No, there is a gap there. There are several years um, in between the two books. Um, you know, Maggie is, is expecting a child. Um, there, you know, Ethel has her first grandchild from her youngest son, Matthias. Um, so there, there's, there's, a, there's several years. It's never exactly defined how many years between the two books, but there is, there is a couple of years later.
1: Okay. Folks, we want to ask Tori, how can they find out more, where can they find out more about you, Tori Bailey, the author, and your books?
3: Um, Right now, uh, the best way to find me is through my Facebook pages, Um, Tori Bailey Inc. is my author page, so if you would like to like me on Facebook, just find me as Tori Bailey Inc., that's I-N-K, and also Aunt Ethel has her own Facebook page, um, Aunt Ethel, and occasionally she will post some of her her recipes and and talk about some of the happenings in her life, and um, also, uh, if you would like to purchase either one of the books, you can purchase them through an independent store down in Fort Myers, their website, which is TJ Books, and Books is spelled with an X at the end and not a K. Dot com and my website is under construction, but we hope to have that up by the fifteenth of June, which is going to be a good central location. Which is Reed, read r e a d Tory bailey dot com.
1: All right, so the website's not there now, but it will be in uh, by the middle of June of two thousand sixteen. Is that right? Yes. All right, very good. Folks, we're here this morning. We have got Tori Bailey back with us. She's brought Ethel's song, and we're going to be back after these messages with more from Tori Bailey.
3: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz,
0: Wednesdays at 2.
4: On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com.
3: It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties. Track and record your garden with photos and notes. Share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow.
2: with Bonnie. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back.
1: We're here on the prologue. Our guest today is Tori Bailey. Tori has been with us before. She brought us originally Coming Home, a second chance at goodbye. And today she's here with a follow-up, talking about where you can find information on Tori and her books. And she explained about the website, which is going to be up in the
3: middle of June of 2016. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies rainbows and pixie dust i'm marita noon get the truth about energy on my show america's voice for energy only on america's web radio
1: and we're back sorry about the delay there people Uh, i had a little difficulties hope we've got it squared away uh we're back with tori bailey on the prologue and whether you heard me uh, before or not tori had been telling us about where to find out more about her and her books Uh, She told us about the website, but she left off an important spot. Tori, tell us what that was.
3: Um, Also, Ethel Song is available through Amazon on hardcover and also on Kindle. Um, Ethel Song is the only one of the two books right now that I do have available in Kindle format.
1: All right. Now, Ethel, the subject matter of Ethel Song, uh, is an individual of maturity. She is at an age where she really thought, that uh, she wouldn't be experiencing love again. Her husband and the father of her two sons has been gone for, what, a quarter of a century or a little more than that. Um, That time kind of left an unspoken divide between the two boys, didn't it? Uh, What can you tell us about that without ruining the plot?
3: Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, is when Ethel's husband, Howard, walked out on her 27 years ago, um, he left her with... And a five-year-old son, Thomas, and then Matthias, who is the second son, as an infant. Well, you know, Thomas has the vivid memories of, of Howard and his dad um, and the way he treated Ethel and the family. And um, there's one particular incident that Matthias is not aware of that actually threatened his life, but he, you know, he was, he was unborn at the time. And, uh, but... Ethel and Thomas has over the years shielded Matthias from the horrible truths of of Howard and how abusive Howard was um and because of that, Matthias has always kind of felt like he was he was left out you know he there he knew that there was this unspoken, very strong bond between Thomas and his mom, and um he never understood why. And because of that, and in his innocence of not knowing that, um, when Howard returns, you know, Matthias doesn't understand why everybody is just totally against Howard being anywhere near Ethel. And um, he ha- he eventually does learn the truth, and he learns that the only way he could learn it, which is from Howard. And then he begins to understand, you know, why his mom and his older brother was always so protective of him and shielded him.
1: Now, you write about this very serious topic, uh, domestic abuse. Uh, you use that as a catalyst. It kind of propels the book, the story, and a lot of the things that happen there. Um, your personal background, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about the jobs that you've had, particularly uh, the 911 operator job that you had. That exposed you to situations like this and gave you some uh, research capabilities that the rest of us really wouldn't have, didn't it?
3: yeah unfortunately working in public safety you, you do see you know you do see a lot of of domestic violence and as a nine one one operator you're you're literally sometimes that in that in the middle of it as far as hearing what's going on and and um also sometimes you're 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 getting brought into the situation after you know really the abuser has has either taken the life of of his victim. Or is stalking his victim, and because of the the percentage of domestic violence calls that we do have to process as nine one one communication officers, we we have extensive training. Um, we we have gone through extensive training in understanding domestic violence and understanding the um, the different phases. There's actually different phases in domestic violence. You know, you have. You have like the honeymoon phase when every when the abuser will come back and he's like, "Oh, baby, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that," but somehow or another he's going to twist it around and make it the victim's fault that that um he that victim made him do what he needed he did and then you have what we call the tension build up um, period in domestic violence, which is when the abuser starts. It's kind of like you know turning up the heat on a pressure cooker. And then when you get it too much and too hot and too much pressure, then you have the the violent or the abusive stage. And as number one communications officers, we had to understand that, and we had to understand, too, um, the mentality of, of all of the parties involved to be able to know how to process the call.
1: Well, now, this subject matter is very important, obviously. Uh, The characters, I think the way you you really bring out the characters and flesh them out puts emphasis on it. It makes it important. Uh, Was the discussion of domestic abuse, was that the purpose of the novel, or did that just kind of happen?
3: It kind of happened. I mean, I knew when I started working on the initial premises of Ethel Song that I was going to have Ethel 30 days from getting married. You know, she's in in a very happy place in her life. Her catering business is really for her. She's established herself as a businesswoman. She's beginning to feel that self-confidence that she's never really 100% ever had uh, about herself. Um, You know, she's excited about getting ready to get married to Madison. You know, everything is, is peaches and cream for her. And then I knew Howard was going to come back and I knew he was going to be the person, you know, he was going to be that antagonist that was going to to shatter and try to stop Ethel from reaching her, her, her wedding day. Um, but as I started thinking about the book and writing the book, all I could keep seeing in, as far as these images would kind of flash in my head of Ethel sitting in a dark kitchen, Think 1970s, the orange linoleum, the green refrigerator, You know the plastic you know, back chairs. She's sitting with wood paneling on the wall. She's sitting in this dark kitchen with nothing but the glow of the stove light on. And she's holding Matthias, who is an infant, who is just not going to sleep through the night. He's, he's one of these babies that doesn't sleep through the night. And she's trying with all her might to get him to calm down because she knows that if Howard wakes up, that he, you know, he is going to, you know, the he's going to be very abusive to her because it's her fault that the baby won't stop crying. And from and I just sit down and I just started writing and as I started writing that scene that was in my head, it just kept unfolding and and that's how I got the um, the opening to the book and that's how it started.
1: That is the prologue, basically, and it's very powerful it's the only real flashback i think that you have in this story uh but it does set the stage and explains to the reader exactly where we're going with this um y- you've explained it rather well uh was there any other times that uh that ethel thought back to that period of time or to when she was with howard oh yeah she
3: goes she goes back to those time periods several times um uh the very first chapter when Howard makes his, his appearance back um, into her life, you know, there, I, use, I really felt like I used a really good metaphor in that experience, which was the green depression glass. You know, she drops this treasured green depression glass platter that had been in her family for years, and it's breaking and shattering around her feet is, is the metaphor of, of how much he shattered her as a person. And he recognized the platter, and even he, uh, he even, you know, in his very, you know, snide way, apologizes for making her drop her grandmother's platter. Um, there's a scene in the courtroom uh, with another character who Ethel is going to be in the courtroom to support her, and listening to the 911 call puts her right back being in that kitchen with Howard. And, um, you yeah, know, so there's several times that there's triggers throughout the book. Um, that, will put, that will take Ethel right back to those moments of, of feeling like a victim.
1: And small town enters into this, too. Um, is there a particular location that the story is written about? Um, because some of the things that go on in here uh, would, would probably go unnoticed in a large metropolitan area, but in a, in a small town setting, uh, everybody's involved in your business
3: yeah and and it's the the book is set in Athens, Georgia, and people will probably think well Athens is not a small town. Athens can get very small very quickly um even though it is a big town you have a lot of influence of college students and everything you still have that core nucleus of families that's been there for for years and years, and those small groups that you're gonna as you move around you're gonna bump into somebody who knows you or knows your family history um. That was one thing about Ethel's Song was I was able to bring a lot more of Athens into the book than what I did with Coming Home, A Second Chance at Goodbye. But, yes, yeah, it, it does have a small-town feel to it.
1: Tell the folks again where they can find out more about Tori Bailey and the new book, Ethel's Song.
3: Um, Ethel's Song is available on Amazon.com in both hardback or soft cover and um, Kindle format. And you can like my Facebook page, Tori Bailey, Inc., I-N-K, on Facebook.
1: All right, very good. Folks, we're going to take another short break, but we will be back after these messages with more from author Tori Bailey.
4: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, Support USJF as they support you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. On Kindle or paperback through
0: Amazon.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we are back. We're here on the prologue this morning with Tori Bailey. Tori brings us Ethel's song. And, Tori, we were talking earlier uh, about the characters who are involved in this story. You introduce a new character, a new personality, that of Emma Jean. Where did she come from in your mind?
3: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a good one. When I wrote the first couple of drafts of Ethel's song, Imogene wasn't there. She did not come up until about the fourth draft. And, again, it's it just like the this, this scene flashed in my, in my mind of this woman standing outside of Madison's house at night. She's been beaten, um, and she's needing help. And um, he ta- he knows her because she's his housekeeper and has been a part of his family ever since his mer- first marriage to Liz. And um, so I started working with em- Emma Jean's character. And the thing is, is Emma Jean counterbalances Ethel in the fact that I wrote Emma Jean's character as an illiterate person. Um, she spoke old Southern dialect. Um, she's had a very rough life. She's had a very hard life. But her, her character is so, so integral to Madison being able to eventually understand Ethel and also understand that domestic violence, it, it doesn't care what economic class you're in or what social class you're in. Um, it can get the the most well educated and, and brilliant people as well as, you know, the people who are like Imogene's character and that then then I started seeing the importance of her character. And there's there's one line that she says to to Madison that really stops him because she's telling Madison her story. And then Madison starts seeing Ethel in her story. And, and Madison says, "But why hasn't Ethel ever said anything?" And Emma Jean says, "Because she has pride, and that's the reason why a lot of people in a domestic relation in a domestic violence situation won't say anything. Is one, it's because you know they just believe nobody will you know believe them, or either two, they're scared to say anything, or three, they have pride and they don't want to admit that they're in this situation."
1: Now, Imogene uh, brings a personality that is is different to this collection, but there's also <clears throat> kind of a sordid history of Athens that you mention in here uh, and bring up. What uh, do you care to tell the folks about that?
3: Well, I'm a history buff and I love trivia. So whenever I write a book, I always try to find little jewels of history about the particular area and. And I actually kind of sort of remember a little bit about this place. Um, There was a brothel in Athens Athens called Epi Place, and it was actually started by Effie Matthews um, and ran for about 50 years until it was basically closed down, and the fire department condemned the house and used the house as a training exercise and burned it. Um, before they burned the house, and this is the part I remember about it, is you could go and buy bricks from Effie's house as a souvenir before they, they burn it. But, yes, um, Effie's was a very, very well-known brothel for a long time in Athens.
1: That may be something that folks would rather forget, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still there. Now, in the writing, uh, you have a, a way of spinning a tail or describing situations, uh, the return of this long-lost individual uh, causes problems not only in the immediate family, but uh, in the the community and also in the church uh, Mm -hmm. because of the situation around it. And you may or may not want to give too much away here, but how did you research the ability to describe how these things would affect community members and church members?
3: You know, growing up in the church, and a lot of the church um, that I write about, the scenes in the church that I write about, I actually pulled from the little country church I grew up in in Washington, Georgia. I grew up in the rural part of Wilkes County and attended Bethel United Methodist Church, and it is a gorgeous church. It's a very beautiful church. So when I started writing about the church, um, as far as setting and descriptions, I went to that church, but also... Um, you know growing up in the church you, you the church it's has its own family and it has its own you know um, inner workings and interactions and so I just pulled a lot from that I pulled a lot from um you know things that I remembered from my childhood of, of growing up in a small church
1: okay. All right, so it, there, there's something. I was just curious if maybe any of the calls, the nine one one calls, may have also added to uh, knowledge base that you had about these types of situations.
3: Yeah, well, of course, I did pull from that too, and also um, just again, I I pulled from and I pulled from some people that I knew had been in in, in abusive relationships. I pulled from some of the things that they had told me and, and things ah. that they had shared with me.
1: Okay. All right. Now, for those who have read Coming Home, uh, Ethel's song has a little gift in there. What would you like to tell about that gift that you give the people?
3: Yes. Um, if you have read Coming Home, you, you're pro- you, uh, Second Chance at Goodbye, um, you r- will probably remember the character Nick Madden. Um, Nick, Nick was um, Nick was a very, very colorful character. Uh, he got himself caught in his own trap. Um, but in the end, in the book, he redeems himself by her- her- heroic action that he did. But um, in coming in Ethel's song, I put a little gift in there for the readers to let them know that Nick's story, even though he dies at the end of the book, his legacy will continue to live to live
1: now Ethel's song is right at twice the length of coming home as an author what determines the length of a particular book
3: the flow of the story um Ethel's song there there is so many there are so many plot lines going on in Ethel's song because I mean we haven't even touched on the character Liz, who is is a a piece of work in herself. Um, so to get to get all of the plot lines and the storylines to flesh out and to um, be fully complete, it it did take a little bit more into the telling of the story.
1: It sounds to me like the author would like to tell us about Liz. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, Ethel had her baggage with Howard, but we haven't talked about Madison's baggage, and that was his first wife, Liz. Um, Madison divorces Liz, and um, but Liz is not a hundred percent let go of Madison, and um, she is going to try everything in her power to also make sure that um, Madison doesn't marry. Ethel, and um, she gets caught in her own trap, and she pays a very high price for getting caught in her own trap, but she also realizes after, you know, she gets caught and um, that she is, she is lost Madison, and if she doesn't change, um, if she does not let go of him, she will lose him 100% and never have any opportunity to have any relationship with him.
1: Is there a number three in this series that's in the works?
3: Yes, and actually we have a release date. It's going to be October the 15th, which is the sweetest day of the year. Um, and the name of the book is Love, Made from Scratch. It's going to be set in Dahlonega, and it's going to be Thomas's story.
1: All right. You know, I'm kind of partial to October 15th myself.
3: Oh, really? Uh, on
1: my wife's birthday.
3: Well, a happy birthday to her in advance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I have to ask you about the cover art for Ethel's song. Those who haven't seen it, it's, it's quite striking. Tell us the story behind that, would you?
3: Well, yes, I'd love to tell you the story about that. I actually commissioned that um, artwork by a really well-known artist, um, Brenda McDaniel, and she is well-known for her work with Watercolor. And I met Brenda's, um, my husband was taking a pottery class here in Monroe, and she was in the class, and I met her through the pottery class, and I got to see some of her artwork that was being displayed in the gallery. And I sit down and I talk to her, and I said, I've got this book I'm writing, and um, I need a cover for it, and I really, really know what I want my cover to look like. Would you be willing to do it for me? And she said, sure. So we worked together on what I wanted on the cover, and um, there is a lot of, of details on that cover that's in the book. Um, one of the things is it's on Ethel's kitchen, and Aunt Ethel's kitchen is a very, very important stage in the book because if there's any significant point that happens in the book, it pretty much happens in Ethel's kitchen. Um, and And the kitchen is her barrier. It's her way of hiding from the things that she doesn't want to face. Um, One of the things that Ethel wears is an apron. She always wears an apron, and there's an apron on the chair in the picture, and that particular apron is a blue and white checkered I own because I like aprons myself, and that apron was a gift for me from my in-laws on one of their travels to Europe because they know I like to wear aprons. There's also a set of forest green depression um, glasses, in there that i actually have a set of and the, the pink depression glass platter which we talked about earlier is in that picture but she took all the elements that i've put into the book and put it into that picture and i actually still have the original artwork it hangs in my office
1: so as the reader's enjoying different scenes they can real quick close the book and look at the cover and feel like they're there
3: exactly
1: all right very good let me ask we teased you about the length of this book and and people understand you know you, you think some folks are intimidated by a, a large book but I'm hearing from the readers that uh, they really like the longer books because they don't want a good story to end and I guess that's kind of the the idea a, a book knows when it's finished and uh it's not finished till it's finished you have to keep going until you you've gotten to that point how long did it take you to write Ethel's song?
3: The first draft, 30 days, but the, the final completed book, it took me about two years to get the final, to get the story to where I liked it.
1: So you got the basic idea down and then you had to go back and flesh it out and all the things that you do so well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, all right. Can you tell our listeners again where they can learn more about Tori Bailey and more about both Coming Home, A Second Chance at Goodbye, and Ethel's Song?
3: Sure. Um, To learn more about me right now, um, you can like my Facebook page, Tori Bailey, Inc. Um, Also, you can like like Aunt Ethel's Facebook page. Um, You can find the Kindle copy and the softcover copy of Ethel's Song on Amazon or you can find all of my books at com.
1: All right, and we are going to be back with more from Tori Bailey after these messages.
4: When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
3: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio.
2: Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we are back on the prologue. We're here this morning with a returning guest, Tori Bailey. She's back with her book, Ethel's Song. It's a continuation of the story that everybody loved from a year or so ago, Coming Home, A Second Chance at Goodbye. Now, Ethel's Song is a tome. It is a good, beefy book with characters that you will love, and folks, you're not gonna wanna close this thing. Uh, is characters that stay with you, and uh, I'm just telling you, you're going to love it. Um, Tori, what is your schedule like? How? What's your process? Do you set aside certain hours, uh, and do you require a particular goal of a number of words or a certain length of time every day that you write?
3: Um, I actually do have – I write either early morning or late evening Um I have, in my office, We have I have a huge storyboard. It's a dry erase board, and um, that's where I start fleshing out my books, is I will start on that storyboard, writing down the characters' names, and then I have, use sticky um, post-it notes, and I'll just stand back and I'll look at that board, and I'll just start writing questions and posting them beside the characters, and... Um, and that helps me start uh, fleshing out my um point, my plot, my plot points of of the of what needs to happen in the book. And that kind of helps me start getting a little bit of a skeletal structure to what the book is going to have. And then once I get that, then I start working on my character development. I start fleshing out my characters because if you don't know your characters, then you're really not going to be able to make them believable to. The readers, so you have really got to de- you've got to delve into that character as to what their personality quirks are, what they like, what they don't like, what their favorite foods are. Um, do they have any physical quirks about themselves? Like, do they stutter? Matthias in Ethel's song stutters when he gets nervous. So whenever you hear when his dialogue starts with a stutter, you know that he's uncomfortable with his situation. Once I can get that, then I start working on scenes. I started working on what are the major scenes that's going to have to happen to move this story along and, and, and advance the plot points. Um, and then I just started writing scenes. To me, writing is a lot like making a quilt. Um, you've got to first cut the pieces out, and then once you get your pieces cut out, then you can start sewing them together and get the first draft.
1: I want to go back to this whiteboard. I was going to ask you about an outline, uh, that is your form of an outline and it sounds like maybe the police training may enter in there I'm picturing you know a homicide detective's uh, room where they've got the, the the plot of the murder all drawn out there and filled in is that kind of the idea you you set this thing up so that you're assured that you're covering all the bases
3: exactly and also another thing too is um, I start pulling. I go to, to the web, go to the web, and I start googling for images. Like for example, um, Ethel's wedding dress. I knew I wanted a wedding dress for a mature woman. I didn't want, you know, a, a first-time bride's wedding dress. So I went on to Google and I put, you know, wedding dress for, and I put about the age range that Ethel is in, and so I'll start finding pictures. And as I find pictures. I'll take and print those pictures off, and I'll also take those pictures onto the board. I'll even also go to a location um, with Love Made From Scratch. I've spent a day on the square in Dahlonega taking pictures of the square, and I have those pictures up. So when I start writing for those those particular locations, I can go back and look at those pictures, and that's how I'm able to put the details into describing the scene because i like to be able to make my readers feel like they're literally standing in that scene with the character and they're seeing everything that the character is seeing
1: all right now editing is a very important part of the final process do you have a particular individual or do you have a group or or just other individuals who proofread for you and and offer the edits
3: Yes, I do. Um, I have a, um, a group of readers that once I get a draft to the point that I feel like, I feel pretty confident that this is this is the solid piece of work that's going to be pre- published, then I send it out to a group of readers that I have that will read, and, and then I, I put in there, please ignore all of the grammatical issues. What I'm asking is for contact, content feedback. Tell me you know, whether you like the characters, uh, what you don't like about the characters, what you like about the story, what you don't like. They have a questionnaire. And then they fill that out, and they, they send it back to me. And then I'll go back and, and read their comments and then try to you know, tweak the story. And then once I get the content portion of the manuscript pretty well solid, then I take it and send it to a line editor i have a and since Ethel's song has been published, I have been able to find a really really jam up line editor. Um, she works out of south atlanta and i'll I'll send her the email address i'll send her the manuscript in in electronic form and she she'll do the line edits and the line editing is what is going through and checking punctuation checking sentence structure checking grammar. Um, making sure that you're not overusing a word. Because that's one thing with a writer. Sometimes we always get that one word we love, and it's like every other sentence will have that word in it. Um, they check for that, too. And once I get that final um, edit back from her, then I know that the, the manuscript is polished and ready to go to publication.
1: Now, you said in the last interview when we were talking about coming home that you went through several incarnations before you were actually happy with that particular book. Was this a similar experience?
3: Um, Yes, it was. I I feel like um, with Esa's song, it, it was a little bit more solid piece of work compared to what the first couple editions of Coming Home was. And a lot of it is because, you know, one of the things about being an independent author is You know, you learn through your mistakes and you get a little bit older and wiser with with experience. And Coming Home taught me a lot about the importance of a really good editor. And I was able to get a better editor for Ethel Song.
1: Oh, okay. Now, is there a particular character from either, well, they're both the same, basically. Mm -hmm. But is there a particular character in either book that most resembles your personality?
3: Not one in particular. There's a little bit of me in almost all of those characters. Well, the, I'm not going to let you get
1: away with that now, because you got to have... <laughs> there's somebody in there that you relate to. You have... You, <laughs> your protagonist, at some point, has got to be your alter ego, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Um, you know, and that was an easy question to answer for coming home, because there was a lot of me and Maggie. Um but in Ethel's song, there's there's a lot of me in and Aunt Ethel in the fact that you know when when you sit down, and, and it's, when you sit down or when you ever you make the decision to step outside of your com- comfort zone to do something, you really really have to fight a lot of the insecurities of am I going to be good enough or will I fail at this? Um, you know, do I really know what I'm doing? And I think a lot of that was in Ethel's and security.
1: Okay. All right. We'll let you. We'll let you get by with that. That's a good answer there. Now, you like to do book clubs. You enjoy getting to meet people and talk about your books. And you also do other speaking engagements. Where can people reach out to you if they're interested in having you come to their book club or to come do a speaking engagement?
3: Um, you can send me an email, and let me give you my email address. It's oh. read Tori Bailey the number 400 at gmail.com
1: All right say that again read Tori Bailey 400
3: at gmail.com
1: at G- All right very see folks that pencil or pen has come in handy several times today so we need you to keep it with you. Now we mentioned earlier that I've had the pleasure of meeting your husband Bruce. He is also in the arts. Tell us real quick a little about him.
3: He has his own little pottery studio, and uh, he makes functional pottery and face jugs, which is very um, popular among the North Georgia uh, potters.
1: Very good. And his work is on display at that aforementioned Brazelton Gallery in Brazelton, Georgia, is it not? Yes, it is. Very good. All right, we want you to visit that place. Tory's books are there as well as mine, so you can... Kind of kill two birds at one stone there. Now our time is is running short for this hour. Is there anything that you can think of that we've left out that uh, you really need to bring up before we close?
3: I think we've pretty much covered all of our bases. I mean, Ethel song. I mean, is I, there's a lot of twists and turns in Ethel songs. There's going to be a lot of moments of I really did not see that coming. Um, and that's the way I like to write. I don't like cookie-cutter books, um, and that may be the reason why Ethel Song is a little bit of a longer book is because I hate, you know, sitting down and pretty much knowing how the book's going to end after reading the first page. I like putting little surprises in in the book for the readers and to keep their interest in it. Um, you know, I did pull a lot of of my my childhood into Ethel Song as far as, growing up in the South. Uh, there's a lot of food in Ethel song so don't read it when you're hungry. Um, <laughs> one of the things I'd love to do with Ethel song is I'd love to eventually have Aunt Ethel do a recipe book with some of the um, the different dishes that is is talked about in, in the book. Um Ethel song is very centered around family Sunday Sunday dinners. I pulled that from childhood, the the you know the the barbecue and homecoming at the church. Um, with another thing. So I think I think anybody that reads Ethel's song and another thing is Ethels song is just not for for girl for for the ladies. I've had a lot of guys to read Ethel's song and enjoy it. but I think you're gonna you you're gonna be surprised with some of the things that happens in the book.
1: Let's just say Ethel's song is a great homecoming, and there's no pun intended for the readers who love that first book coming home. Now, Tori, this has been a pleasure. It's great to have you back on so we can learn more about you and more about your great books. I want to thank you for being a guest this hour.
3: Well, thank you, Doug, for having me back, and I hope everybody has a great weekend.
1: Outstanding. Listen, listeners, now the ball's in your court. Uh, I want you to look up Tori Bailey on Amazon. Uh, Start enjoying her great books. And, folks, tell all your friends about our show, would you, and how they can listen to the free podcasts by simply clicking on the links at americaswebradio.com front slash the prologue. And if you or anybody you know would like to be a future guest on the prologue, I want you to email me at doug at americaswebradio.com or doug at dougdahlgren.com. So that's it for this hour. I want to thank my guest again, Tori Bailey, for being here. My name is Doug Dahlgren. And I want to say, be good to yourselves and each other. Read a book. If it's not one of Tories, maybe you'll pick one of mine. And I'll see you all again in 167 hours. Take
0: care. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.